Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man card, Jess Romero, Paul Clay, talking about all kinds of Catholic issues. Uh, here's an issue that me and Paul have never talked about. <clears throat> We've never talked about the issue of bad literature. Both of us are obviously fathers and grandfathers. And uh, something me and Paul are going to talk about today that we've never talked about is the controversy over the Harry Potter books. Those books came out a long time ago. They were written by J.K. Rowling. There's eight books. And uh, I've never read them, full disclosure. But I've never used heroin either. And I can speak against heroin. I've never used dope, (laughs) marijuana. I've never used LSD, cocaine. I've never killed somebody. I've never robbed a bank. And yet I can speak about those issues because all I do is employ common sense, natural law, divine revelation, the word of God, the Catholic faith. And so I, I can discern what's good and bad, what's, uh, what's uh, clean or unclean. So that's what we're going to talk about, Paul, today. We're, we're, there's two articles. One, Both are written by parents. So I kind of want to hear what these parents have to say. And then we'll comment on them. Uh, midway through the show, I'm going to have a short little video from Father Donald Calloway, what he says about the Harry Potter books. Yeah, Father Calloway weighed in on it. Very respected Catholic priest. And there's also another priest, very respected exorcist, Father Vince Lampert. He also speaks about the Harry Potter books. So we'll put him on the third segment as well. And we'll listen to what they have to say from their own words. Remember, as Catholics, a lay Catholic is a soldier of Christ, but our priests, they're, they're they're the officers. So let's... Let's not forget that there's a rank structure in Catholicism. So if a good Orthodox Catholic priest says something on faith and morals, I'm going to listen because they're officers. I'm a soldier. They outrank me. So if Father Vince Lampert and Father Donald Calloway say something about the Harry Potter books, that's uh, you know about the demerits of the Harry Potter books, I'm going to listen because they're, they're priests. They're officers in the church militant. I'm a soldier. Paul, any comments before we start? Yeah, Jess, you know that as you know, with your experience in um uh you know spiritual warfare, that even the the demons follow a, a you know, they must follow uh you know authority and structure. Correct. They can't just do what they want to do. And so uh that's just a good point you made uh, concerning uh rank and uh what we must do in the body of Christ. Yeah, because and when we get outside, yeah, yes. And when we get outside of that line, um, we open ourselves up to uh, really uh, exactly what, yes. You got it. So here's this one mom that writes, and uh, she says, Is Harry Potter good for our kids? Vivian Dudrow. She says this With all the media hype, even in the Catholic press, I cannot help looking over the Harry Potter books while shopping one day. Now, she wrote this a couple of years ago, obviously. She says, after reading a few pages, I put Potter down with a shudder. Oozing with the Mm -hmm. occult and dressed with disgusting details, these stories by J.K. Rowling are not the kind of thing I would read my little ones at bedtime. Compared with the truly great books lining our shelves at home, they're not the kind of literature I would want my 10 and 12-year-old sons to read on their own either. Despite my decision to pass on Potter... 
he has affected my children. As we were leaving the park one recent afternoon, my six-year-old daughter informed me that she and, 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 and a herd of other girls her age had pretended they were the characters from the Rowling books. They said, quote, We were using sticks as magic wands, Mom. Close quote, she said. Quote, Oh, and what were you doing with these magic wands? I asked. We were casting spells and killing bugs, she answered. Why were you killing bugs? Because they were the bad guys. Close quote. So, Vivian Didro, who wrote this article, this mom, this uh, mama bear, she says, her response has troubled me. How has Harry Potter become so ubiquitous that he influences the, pl- the play of children too young to read about him? <clears throat> More importantly, why do these stories link magic, power, and killing of one's enemies in the, into the tender imagination of little girls? To begin answering these questions... Vivian Dudrow says, I read two of the books myself. In the very beginning of the first two books, Rowlings, the author, heavy-handed and sophomoric treatment of Harry's, uh, of Harry's aunt, uncle, and cousin disturbed me. These relatives who became Harry's adoptive family after the murder of his parents are narcissistic and vulgar with no redeeming characteristics whatsoever. In one repulsive scene, Cousin Dudley belches at the breakfast table while his fat buttocks hangs over the sides of the chair. Meanwhile, with a bit of food clinging to his face, Uncle Vernon sputters forth with his customary rage. Call it a matter of taste, but these antics evoke no laughter from me. J.K. Rowling sneers at a grasping middle-class family cannot hold a candle to the satire of Mark Twain, Charles Dickens, or Jane Austen some other great English uh, authors. The most terrible feature of Harry's relations is not their churlishness, but their heartlessness toward the orphan boy. While they spoil their own horrible son with two bedrooms, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia assign Harry a spider-infested closet. In the second book, they lock him in a room with bars on the windows and feed him a starvation diet through a slot in the door. The reason for their harshness, apart from their own selfishness, is Harry's magical background. This is an abnormality. They declare they will not tolerate. Paul, you want to continue the next paragraph? Yes. Tolerance, of course, is a Christian virtue based upon respect for man's God-given freedom. While Catholic children should be trained to respect those who do not profess their faith, They also should be taught that the practice of magic is a serious sin. Apart from prayer to God, the invocation of superhuman powers in order to obtain results beyond the capacity of mere nature is condemned with the strongest language in both the Old and the New Testaments. The Catechism of the Catholic Church declares the practice of magic gravely uh, contrary to to the virtue of religion, for it involves a mistrust of God and a refusal to accept his will. The practice of magic can lead to the worship of nature, man, or Satan, because he is a wizard by birth. Harry is sent uh, sent for by Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and is delivered 
from the hands of his relatives. At this boarding school, the alma mater of Harry's dead parents, the 12-year-old grows into his true identity. Wow, this sounds really satanic. <laughs> In Albus uh, uh, Dumblefore, um, the, uh, the seemingly sagacious wizard who directs Hogwarts, ha Hogwarts, right? Yeah, who directs yeah. Hogwarts. That's a school, yeah. a school of witchcraft, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I haven't seen the movie, just to be honest. Uh, yeah. Harry finds... Harry finds a mentor, a father figure, peripheral to the main uh, unfolding of the plot. Dumbledore conveniently appears after the climax of the first two books to nearly interpret, to neatly interpret Harry's harrowing coming of age experiences at the school. There is some humor to be found at Hogwarts, which is housed in a mysterious haunted castle. Among Harry's textbooks, for example, is 1,000 Magical Herbs and Fungi for Bilita Spore. Yeah, the lethal, the lethal beast. beast. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. 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 The lethal beast guarding a secret in the bowels of the castle is named Fluffy. But the overall atmosphere of Hogwarts is ominous. And many of the features of daily life there are gruesome. From, from a good guy eating an earwax-flavored jelly bean to a bad guy drinking unicorn blood, there is there is distinct dash of macabre. Of the macabre, macabre, yeah. The macabre. Oh, the macabre. Okay. Go ahead and continue, Jess. <laughs> the subjects taught at Hogwarts... At Hogwarts School ranged from ordinary fields of knowledge, such as astronomy and botany, to magical arts, such as changing one object into another, casting spells, and mixing potions. Nearly every forbidden magical practice known to man is mentioned or explored. In contrast to the dull and narrow world of Harry's non-magic relatives, Hogwarts appears interesting and broadening. Looking at a drawing of the castle on the back of the second book, Vivian Drudrow says, my 12-year-old son declared, that looks so cool. On the surface, <clears throat> Harry Potter tales fit right in with goosebumps, rugrats, and that gooey cerebral-like matter designed for throwing upon walls. Yet prepubescent boys especially can think this stuff is pretty neat, hence there's a huge market for it. But if we want our children to love truth, goodness, and beauty, then why are we buying them products that encourage their tendencies towards the grotesque? Of course, all great literature illustrates the dark side of human existence. However, the best authors do not intend darkness itself as entertainment. Like shadows in a landscape that make the bright spots all the more brighter, evil in fiction should serve as a contrast to the good. Perversely, Rowling presents her dismal world of the occult as a circus. Worse than that, she offers it as a desirable alternative to her caricature of normalcy. We'll continue talking about a mom, a mama bear, Vivian Dudrow, and her analysis of the Harry Potter books after having read them. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, two-man call. We're talking about Vivian Dedrow, Mama Bear, who writes about the Harry Potter books. She read them herself. I've never read them. Paul's never read them. But uh, she's making some, she wrote an article <clears throat> that I think is, ba- is, a, is a very well-balanced article from somebody who read the books and who's a mom. Let me go down two paragraphs from where I left off where, where she says, uh, while I'm gratified to find such things, th- such themes in Rowling's books, I nevertheless consider her smorgasbord of magic, yuck, and gore an unfitting package for the truth. Moreover, her stories create the impression that some of us, like Potter and Dumbledore, could learn to handle occult powers and wield them for good. This is a grave error. For our intentions, however noble, cannot transform an objective evil into a good. Though the books are fantasy, young readers relate to Harry and his classmates as their own peers. The aspiring witches and wizards at Hogwarts are not otherworldly beings from some prehistoric age, such as the wizards Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings and Merlin in the Arthurian legends. Rather, they are ordinary boys and girls with the exception that they have explicitly inherited a magical gene present in the human race. By following their education, could their children's curiosity in the occult or in the bizarre be sparked? Could their spiritual defenses against certain temptations be weakened? Could their imagination, could their imaginations become haunts of things that go bump in the night? In other words, nightmares. According to a public librarian here in San Francisco, the Potter's stories already have inspired countless children to seek other books about witches, wizards, and spooks. The city's libraries have stocked their juvenile collections with this subject matter, along with Rowling's titles, in order to encourage summer reading. The trend concerns me because apart from serious sin, occultism is the main way the diabolical can enter a person's life. Paul, you want to finish the last two paragraphs there? Sure. Nevertheless, many, many other parents, including Catholic ones, remain untroubled. They consider the Harry Potter stories perfectly acceptable for their children. As a result, Harry Potter has become a pop culture icon. After the new sequel is released this summer, there will still be three more forthcoming episodes in the continuing Potter saga. Also lying ahead are Harry Potter movies and spinoff Mattel action figures. Given the enormous profitability of the young wizard, one can only guess what other magical heroes and heroines will be created next. And when all of the money made off our hunger for the supernatural has been counted, what level of literary accomplishment and what vision of spiritual reality will have been sold to our children. That remains to be seen. You know, <clears throat> Jess, I, as I'm reading this, um, uh, I'm just reminded of what sacred scripture says clearly about, uh, I believe it's in Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians uh, 4, 27 through 29. And do not give the devil a foothold. Mm. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. And they have something to share with those in need. 
Uh, do not. Yeah. So 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 bottom line is, is giving the devil a toehold. Uh, I think this falls into that category. What do you think? Amen. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why I believe that as well, because J.K. Rowling's look at what she says in her own words. I've got a I have a I pulled up an interview with her. She was interviewed in 2019, December 25th by the BBC. And the BBC mm -hmm. journalist asked her, J.K. Rowling's, you get some flack in the United States, I think, because people say it's satanic. J.K. Rowling's response. Here's what she says to the interviewer. Well, it is, John. It is satanic. And I think that now is the night to say it. Thank you for enabling me to say that at last. It's a great relief and a liberation. I have to say I have a PR person here with me tonight. She's sitting with her head in her hands at the moment. In other words, she was being interviewed by the BBC on her eight Harry Potter books. Yeah. And people are always saying, I think they're satanic. I think they're diabolical. And she never says nothing. She, she just, uh, she's quiet about it. Well, she finally says, I'm tired of being quiet about it. She told wow. John from the BBC, yes, John, it's satanic. Thank you for asking me yeah. the question. You know, yeah. thank you for enabling me to say it. So she like finally exploded, Ball, and, and she said finally, yeah, this is the... And look what else she said in another interview to Empire News. She says... When I write, when I sleep, this is J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books. When I write, when I sleep, when I practice magic, mm. when I go to the bank to deposit my billion dollar Harry Potter checks, <clears throat> she says, uh, my secret was like Horcrux. I guess that's a character in one of her books, Horcrux. And now I've destroyed it so my soul can be whole again for the witches. So she says, my soul can be whole again for the witches. J.K. Yeah. Rowling says, it's about time that I tell the world I'm a strong supporter of Wicca. I truly believe yeah. in its benefits as a religion. I wrote Harry Potter to please the mother goddess, Gaia. That's, a, that's the, 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 the goddess oh. of witchcraft. <laughs> they, she says, wow. she says uh, mother goddess needed new followers and they needed young followers. I wrote the series to manipulate young minds into believing witchcraft was real and yes. it worked. Yes. You can start straight from the horse's mouth. We don't have yeah. to speculate. We don't have to, you yes. know, if you don't listen to what the, what the author uh, believes about what you know what was written then i don't know what to tell you um uh, uh you know for years jess uh we know that like in third world countries down in the caribbean africa uh down in mexico uh people take witchcraft and have taken witchcraft very serious oh yeah but over here yeah yeah very serious mm -hmm. it's not a joke for them it's a reality in their lives that they practice uh, uh, casting spells. Uh, and I know this, uh, at firsthand because, uh, you know, my wife's family, you know, was involved in that, uh, in Mexico. And she tells me all kinds of, uh, stories that are just like, wow. Um, uh, praise God. Uh, she was never into any of that, but she does have relatives who were into it. Um, I can just tell you, Jess, um, uh, over here for a long time, you know, because of uh, we live in a world of materialism and modern science and the devil for a long time has been uh, uh, basically saying, I don't exist. Uh, you know, that's all, uh, you know, a bunch of made up stuff that doesn't exist. We believe in science over here. But of late, of late, the devil has come out of the closet. 
so to speak. And he is, uh, you know, um, uh, our culture, this culture war that we find ourselves in paganism and, 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 and witchcraft and satanic, uh, you know, religions, uh, they, you know, they are boldly on the scene. And when you understand that this lady has become uh, rich from, yeah. from these things, I don't know what books, to tell you. Books and, we, books and movies. Yeah. She's a billionaire. Yeah. Paul. She's the only author that's ever yeah. become a billionaire off of books. Yeah. Well, didn't Satan tell, tell, you know, uh, didn't, didn't he promise the Lord, you know, uh, all the riches, everything, you know, it's mine to give. Well, yeah. So uh, she's, she's basically an acolyte for Satan uh, and just uh, spreading the lies to uh, really corrupt the world. This is serious. Yeah. And, and, and the, the, the church is very clear about witchcraft and superstition yeah. and divination. It's a mortal sin. It's an offense against the first commandment. Uh, and, yep. uh, and I'll tell you what it's, it's in paragraph 2116 and 2117 of the catechism of the Catholic church. Also <clears throat> this whole witchcraft, Paul, it's like you said, it's, it's become, um, it's become more popular in America. Just like, for example, uh, probably in the sixties when pornography was starting, Guys bought a you know soft porn magazine. They put in a brown paper bag at a liquor store. They purchased it, but little by little, that that magazine that was in the corner, hidden in a liquor store back in the '60s, that porn magazine, little by little, Paul, it's given way to where we're at today, where people are just a click <laughs> oh, yeah. away from hardcore pornography. So what I'm saying is that evil escalate, evil increases, uh, and so. Yep. And so the, I would say in like manner, the Harry Potter books have prepared the country to accept impious literature, witchcraft, yeah. you know, spells, yep. curses. The Harry Potter books kind of wet the ground and now they've opened up the Pandora's box to all kinds of occult literature, all kinds of unclean, yep. uh, uh, unclean literature and, uh, and evil yep. spirits that come with this literature. And unfortunately, we've become so worldly that Catholics can no longer they can no longer discern uh, what's clean from unclean, what's what's the occult from what's the truth. And we're like the yeah. proverbial frog, slowly being boiled in water. And I well, believe that. Well, the, yeah. Well, Jess, that's because there has been a falling away of the faith, and when you are in the faith. When you are in receiving the sacraments, the actual life of our Lord being poured out into us, the Bible says we've been given the mind of Christ. So uh, we have now uh, a society of people where, you know, pretty much uh, nobody, uh, you know, is is in communion with God in the sense that they are uh, receiving the power of the Holy Ghost in order to... Um, just uh, in order to uh, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay. And so when you don't have the power of, of God working in your life, because that's the only way you can put to death the deeds of the flesh, the Bible says how by the power of the spirit. And if you don't have the power of the spirit working in your life, if you are not uh, uh, seeking God and, 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 and growing in your faith, then you will have zero spiritual discernment. And that's why you see people say, oh, this is just a children's book. Oh, it's fantasy. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, you remember the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing, Jess, back in our day. Yeah. Uh, they were 
plenty of kids who were killing themselves because they were so connected with the characters, the, the so-called imaginary characters that were, uh, as you and I know, uh, uh, de de demons and yeah. demonically inspired. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, there was a psychiatrist. I, I, I copied the article. He wrote a long article on the rash of mm -hmm. suicides that occurred as a result of Dungeons and Dragons. It was... It, it was something that a lot of the media wanted to kind of suppress that information, but this this good uh, sure this good Catholic psych psychiatrist wrote a good article on it, and I saved it. Uh, mm. But yeah, Paul, going going back to the Harry Potter books, I think this is just plain the wisdom of the world. And First Corinthians three nineteen, the Bible says, "For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, I will catch the wise in their own craftiness." I think the Harry Potters. Uh, books would fall under this worldly wisdom. James chapter 3 verse yeah. 15 he says that worldly wisdom is devilish wisdom. Mm. Devilish wisdom. We'll be right back. Yeah. We're going to continue talking about the Harry Potter books. Two grandfathers <laughs> are going to give you our analysis. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, Lord, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2. I want you to hear two Catholic priests talk about Harry Potter. Then me and Paul are going to make some comments. The first one is from Father Vince Lampert. He's an exorcist. For the Diocese of Indianapolis, it's a short little uh, video. Then after we're going to put Father Donald Calloway, it's a little bit longer. He gives kind of a teaching on, on the dangers of Harry Potter's. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clips? Usually, usually when it comes to Harry Potter, what I like to do is respond with another question. So when parents say their children are reading these books, for example, I always say, which book does your child know better, Harry Potter or the Bible? And if the answer is Harry Potter, to me, that's the problem, because then the child is not able to read this book and filter it through their own Catholic beliefs mm. that are shaped by the Word of God. Because the danger then would be a child is reading the book and begins to see magic as something that's good, placing spells on people as something good. And to me, that's the danger is that it leads children to believe that evil is a good. Very, I like what he said, Paul, that children cannot, yeah. be, because they don't read the Word of God, they can't yeah. filter the Harry Potter books or other occult books like that through the lenses of the Word of God and the Catholic faith. And so they're going to take all kinds of poison and, 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 and cyanide right into their little uh, minds and imaginations because everything oh, yeah. must be filtered by the Word of God. But if you don't know the Word of God or read the Word of God, these books are dangerous because you're not going to be able to sift truth from error. Paul, comment. Yeah, just we have a generation of Catholics that don't know their faith. So how can they instruct their children? Okay, they have been dummied down to the point that they can't articulate what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, this is a problem because, uh, uh, like, like the priest just pointed out, um, a child then is left to try to figure things out on his own. Uh, and if 
people who have been so secularized say, well, this is just kid stuff. Uh, we don't worry. Uh, there's a real problem here, Jess. And, and, and the implications are going to, uh, uh, you mentioned that the, uh, on the last segment, you know, once evil gets a foothold, you know, it just begins to grow exponentially. Yeah. Remember the movie Nefarious, the demon was asked that question. He says, what we do is we project a series of temptations he says, yeah. and then the temptations, as, as the person gives us permission, we start projecting the temptations with greater intensity, with greater intensity and with longer duration until we subjugate yeah. the person. That, that, that's yeah. the theology of the diabolical. And, 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 yeah, and it, I le- it, it could start with the Harry Potter book. Yes. Yeah, listen, I learned this a long time ago, Jess. You know, whatever a man sows, that he reaps. So sow a thought, reap uh, reap an attitude. Sow an attitude, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Amen. So there's a natural pro- so there's a natural progression there, and it begins with that thought. And when you introduce these thoughts, I wonder if that could be true. I wonder if it, you know, and and so they try it because out of curious uh, curiosity, natural human curiosity. Yeah. I want to put on Father uh, Father Calloway's clip. It'll probably take the rest of the segment, then we'll comment on it on segment number four. Mr. Engineer, play the clip. I know about it, and I won't take too long explaining it so that we can uh, carry on with the program. But there's something very important to know, some principles that, see, people, like in the last 40 years, they haven't been principled on how to think morally about things. So that a lot of people, like Al said, think, well, but this has increased my child's desire to read. Better your child be illiterate than read garbage on a moral level. And this is why. And there are so many things out there. They wouldn't be illiterate anyway. The Catholic Church has such a treasure of lives of the saints. These children's books, I don't know if you've seen them about the lives of the saints. That's what's going to make your children heroes in the spiritual life. Saints. But getting to the Harry Potter issue, the difference between something like Harry Potter and say Lord of the Rings, you know, J.R. Tolkien or C.S. Lewis stuff, not only the fact that both of them were Christians, one, you know, Protestant, one Catholic, and by the way, J.R. Tolkien said such things to his children like, if you want to find romance in your spiritual life, go to the Eucharist. That should say a lot about what that man is going to write. And as we know, C.S. Lewis, though not a Catholic, was a very devout Christian and wrote wonderful things. But the difference is about means and ends. So that when you see certain mythological things and fantasy worlds created in these kind of stories, the power that's being used by, let's just say, the wizards or whatever, you know, the, the, the people who have these significant powers with their cloaks and their wands and their swords and all that, how is it being used and what is the means that they're going about to achieve their desired good? And I don't mean to get too theological here, but you kind of have to, you know, because every Christian is called to be a theologian, whether you like it or not. You really are. You're called to know this. The Lord expects it of you. You can read the signs of the times, but you, you don't know, you know, this, he says in Matthew. Here's the difference. In Harry Potter, all these people have different kinds of powers, and they have a good that they're desiring to achieve. And it can appear to be a real good. You know, to make someone else happy or to acquire this particular thing, which seems to be a good. But you know what? If the means that you go about to acquire it is through using your power to manipulate, deceive, and lie, 
your end is bad also. And that's a fundamental problem. Because when children start to read that and they take on that mentality, which is all over the media, you know, it, it purports a good. We all want to be happy. That's the way we're made. But going about the way that we do it will determine whether or not we're really going to be happy. That's a big difference. So that if I want peace in the world, and my way to do it is to kill everyone but me and my friend, that's going to be a problem. Or if, if take it down, you might say, well, that's extreme, Father. Take it down to even lesser things. I want to do this good. It appears to be good. But the means that I'm going to do it is to, well, just tell little fibs. Or to use something that I have, you know, in this particular way to achieve it. You won't. Your good will, your, your apparent good will not be a good at all. And you'll actually find yourself being worse when you get to that desired end. That's what makes the difference between fantasy done from a Christian perspective, because there's nothing wrong with such stories, but it has to be that the powers that a person has, even in a fantasy world, have to be used in a right way. And the good that is being achieved has to come about in a good way. The means are good. That is Christian moral principles. And that's what makes heroes out of those who, in desiring to attain the real good, are willing to die, to sacrifice, to forgive, to be merciful, to be compassionate, to love, to be martyred. That's the difference. Reading Harry Potter is not going to make your children saints. It's going to warp their thinking so that when they go about in their careers and their jobs, the principles are gone. And everything will be about, there's something that I see to be a good, and it might actually be a good. But if you go about it in the wrong way, through using your powers that you have, if you're a CEO, to get more money, but you're doing some shady business, oh, you might acquire your good, but it won't be a good. You will have sold your soul in getting it. And it won't be heaven you acquire, but hell. That's the difference when Jesus says to the Pharisees, you strive all your powers in going out and trying to make disciples, but you make demons in what you're doing. Because they don't give them sound principles. You say one thing and do another. Or you, what you appear to do is to be good. On the outside, you look like, you know, perfect. But inside, you're full of, you know, filth and hypocrisy. That's the difference. And you know, if you even look at the roots of a lot of these things, this woman who wrote such things, you know she was involved in the occult. You think that's not going to come through? Through the books? Of course it is. And you know, look, if the whole world is going out and buying all this stuff, and hurrah, hurrah, and they're waiting out in lines for like two days to buy the books, put on your lenses of Christianity and the wisdom of the cross, and look to see... Who's being deceived? If the whole masses are flooding to this, is it the way of the cross? That's where we have to be running to. That's where we have to look at everything through, the wisdom of the cross. Believe me, I know good people, great people, love them. They love God a lot. Good people. But on this issue, they don't see it. And they think it's fine. And the priests tell them it's fine. And the sisters tell them it's fine. But I want to tell you, it's not fine. 
It's a subtlety, just like in the sitcoms. We allow ourselves to say, oh, but they're just, it's only occasional lies that they tell, or little fibs, or they use their powers in that way. I mean, can't we just overlook that for the sake of the greater story and that there are people are learning to read and all of that? No. That's the subtlety of Satan. It really is. Just like I said today or yesterday with like sitcoms and all that, it's the same thing. Father, we just want to be entertained. Lighten up. You know, we just want to laugh at the sitcoms. The sitcoms are brainwashing the world. The media is brainwashing it. Everyone just wants to overlook all the stuff that throws moral principles out. So that now we can have people saying, I wouldn't have an abortion, but if somebody else wants to, that's, all, that's their deal, you know? No, it's not. See, that's where, we, that's where it ends, logically. It becomes a private morality. It's a good that I want to achieve. What's wrong with that, Father? I mean, nobody's perfect, right? We're all sinners. Yeah, but we should be striving to be saints. And we should let nothing get in the way of that. Better children be illiterate and enter the kingdom of God than be great readers and writers and go to Hades. And I mean that. And I know that's a hard message. And probably a lot of you have, your kids have read all of them. Well, I just want to tell you as your brother... And as a watchman on the wall, it is my duty and responsibility to warn you when a hole is in the ground. If I don't warn you that it's there, I will be held responsible. That's why I have to tell you, as a priest and as your brother, it's not as innocent as it seems. It's subtle and it is demonic. Back. Jesus 911. We want to make some comments on that. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're talking about the Harry Potter books. <clears throat> we just listened to two Catholic priests. Father Vince Lampert, Lampert, the exorcist of Indianapolis, a friend of mine, he, he, he was just quick and right to the point. He just says, look it. Most Catholics don't even read the Bible. So why hmm. are you going to spend, as a Catholic, why are you going to read the eight Harry Potter books, which is going to be about 4,000 pages, and you've never read the Word of God? And he says the danger with that is that as you read the Harry Potter book or other occult literature, you're not going to have a filtering system. You're not going to have a well-formed moral, con moral conscience and you're not going to be able to discern what's clean from unclean, what's good from evil, yes. because you have mm -hmm. a malformed moral conscience, because yep. you don't read the Word of God, and now you're reading literature that that's that's uh, you know basically uh, extols the occult. That's the danger there. Now the second yes. priest, Father Donald Calloway, Father, he preached from the heart. Uh, talk a little bit about what you think mm -hmm. about Father Calloway. I, when I heard Father Calloway, just I, you know, all I can say is Amen, Father, Amen. You know, Father Calloway, you could hear um, the heart of a father as he preached. You know, because a father he he protects his children. That's what fathers do, and um, uh, it came out in what he had to say. I like also just when he brought up the fact that you know the subtlety of it all, and what does it say? 
uh, in sacred scripture says the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of mm-hmm. the, of the field which God had made. You see, that's the devil's tactic. Tactic, Jess. He he does things subtly. It's not usually in your face. It's through the back door. And um, you know, Jess, uh, I, I'm reminded of the scriptures where it says uh, Matthew chapter 18. Listen to this and listen well, folks. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Mm. It is better for you to enter into life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell fire. Jess, uh, sacred scripture is pretty clear. Anything that is would threaten uh, really your 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 relationship with God, your standing with God. We need to avoid it like the plague. And it bothers me that there are people out there who claim to know. There are people out there who we go to for answers that are blind to these subtleties, Jess. Mm. They are being played like a fiddle by the devil and they don't even know it. That's right. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, Romans one twenty two. There's another verse here that reminds me of the Harry of Potter books. It's not found in the Protestant canon. It's only the Catholic canon of Scripture and and the Orthodox canon. It's it's in Wisdom chapter 4, verse 12. It says, quote, For the fascination of wickedness obscures what is good, and roving desire perverts the innocent mind. Wow. Wow. Fascination with what's wicked obscures what is good. Yes. And I'll, and, uh, and I'll tell you somebody else who, who did warn us about the Harry Potter books. This is probably the highest, this, in, in, in the Catholic faith, this is the highest pecking order. Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, back in 2003, <clears throat> he, he saw that there was an article uh, by a German author who was criticizing the Harry Potter book. The German author's name's Gabriel Kuby. He was he a man uh, who was writing articles criticizing the Harry Potter books in 2003. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger complimented him for doing so. Mm. In fact, Cardinal Ratzinger came, came later to become Pope Benedict XVI. But here's the letter he wrote to, to Gabriel Kuby, this German critic of Harry Potter. He said this, quote, It is good that you, Gabriel, enlighten people about Harry Potter. Because those are subtle seductions. That's what Paul just said the last segment. Mm-hmm. Cardinal Ratzinger says about Harry Potter books. Those are subtle seductions which act unnoticed and by this deeply distort Christianity in the soul before the soul can grow properly. Close quote. Cardinal mm-hmm. Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, he just said basically what you just said the last segment. That the Harry, po- yep. he was complimenting Cabral Kuby, this this uh, author. He says, "Good for you for criticizing Harry Potter because he says the Harry Potter books is subtle seductions that deeply distort Christianity in the soul as it's growing." Looks like Cardinal Ratzinger's yes. on our side, Paul. Yeah, and like anything, Jess, 
if you, um, you know, just tweak something slightly, you know, as that thing continues in the direction, it's going to get further and further and further off the mark. That is just the nature of the beast. And so it's the subtleties. It's the, you know, uh, you can barely even notice it. And by the way, that's what's going on in the church today. How many things have started in a subtle way? And now when you look at the church, you see nothing but confusion. Yeah. Yes. Now we're a country mile away from the original intent. Let me just read the, the last yes. segment, the last section of, of, the, of the second article on, that we have on Harry Potter. Uh, <clears throat> this, this article is called, and you can get it by going to vmpr.org or jesseromero.com. It's called the, the Trouble with Harry, John Andrew Murray. The last section where he says, what about Narnia? He says, Christian fans of Harry Potter insist that the series is no different than C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia, <laughs> a series that many Christian parents accept. It is true that both authors create parallel fantasy worlds involving young British children who encounter magical creatures. Both develop admirable characters and evil villains, but this is where the comparison ends. The difference between the two hinges on the concept of authority. From a Christian perspective, authority and the supernatural are, power are linked. Take a look at Mark chapter 2, where Jesus heals the paralytic. When Jesus first sees the paralytic, he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And this sets up the following scene. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow teach like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew that this was, that this was what they were thinking. And he said to them, Why are you thinking such things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the son of man is authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took Mm. his mat and walked out in full view of them all. Notice Christ's power overflows from his authority. That's the nature of all legitimate authority, of all legitimate power. It is granted and guided by authority. When we read J.K. Rowling's series, we find that she effectively divorces power from authority. There's no sovereign person or principle governing the use of the supernatural. Magical power is gained through inheritance and learning. It is not granted by higher authority because there is no higher authority, at least none higher than Harry's mentor, Albus Dumbledore and the evil Lord Voldemort. The two are equal, antagonistic, and unaccountable to a higher authority. In C.S. Mm. Lewis Narnia, power and authority are welded together. That authority is mm. Jesus in the character of the great lion Aslan, creator and sovereign ruler of Narnia, son of the emperor beyond the, beyond the sea. Good power is power that is bestowed by Aslan and exercised in accordance with his will. This good power is at work when the children, Peter, Susan, and Lucy, use the gifts bestowed on them by the agent by an agent of Aslan. Evil power, on the other hand, is power that is seized or conjured rather than bestowed and exercised for search ends. Yes. Yes. Those who resist the temptation to use such power are commended, as was Diggory in the magician's nephew. But those who wield it, such as Jadis, also in the magician's nephew, and the white witch in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, are eventually vanquished by Aslan. Despite superficial similarities, 
Rowland's and Lewis's worlds are as far apart as the East is from the West. Rowling's work Whoa. invites children to a world where witchcraft is neutral and where authority is determined by solely by one's cleverness. Lewis invites readers to a world where God's authority is not only recognized, but celebrated a world that resounds yes. with its goodness and care. It's a yes. difference. No Christian should ignore. That was well put oh. by this author here, John Andrew. Well, 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 yeah. I love the fact that, that, that the author just sees, you know, the truth through all of this, Jess. And also you can notice that in the C.S. Lewis series, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, you see the love of God come out. And, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, uh, you know, when, when sacred scripture tells us God is love, those are the things that come out. So, um, you're right, Jess, there's a world of difference between, uh, this stuff that we see going on, um, uh, in, uh, Harry Potter, you know, it reminds me of the, it's, it's, it, well, it is the occult, but in a sense that, you know, it reminds me of like Freemasonry or Gnosticism where, you know, the secret knowledge and that, you know, anybody yes. can get it yes. and acquire it. Yeah. You know, and, and, but it's apart from God. It's, it's knowledge that, you know, that's apart from God, but you yeah, can, that's, that's called Gnosticism. Knowledge yeah. That's a heresy. Paul, and I think yes, that we've been yes. prepared by Hollywood for a long time. I remember even when I was a kid, and I thought it was innocent, I used to watch Bewitched. I thought it was a you know, funny sitcom, oh, yeah. Bewitched, okay? Yeah. But, then, yeah. but then things started becoming more, a little bit darker with Hollywood. Then they came out with Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Then they come out with another mm -hmm. series called Charmed. Then they come out with another series called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we've had a generation mm -hmm. of children that have been, have been becoming desensitized to the occult. And now with Hollywood's help, I think these Harry Potter movies, by far, they're going to surpass all these other prior influences. And uh, again, I think they're going to potentially reap some very grave spiritual consequences. Yeah, now we're hearing about politicians, very high-ranking politicians that are involved in the occult now. Is it? There's no surprise there, Jess. We see that... Uh, um, uh, yeah, it, like I said, Satan has come out of the closet. And, you know, you don't have to be uh, an expert in all of these things. All you have to do is love God and follow his ways and God will show you. He will light the path. And for, you know, any Christian out there, I don't care how smart he is. I don't care how many degrees he has behind his name. If you try to defend this stuff, you are actually part of the problem and not the solution. And you need Amen. to really refocus. Well said, brother. You've been listening to Jesus 911. Up next, Jerry Machuda, hands on apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. Hope you enjoyed the show from two fathers and grandfathers that love the Catholic faith and want to put out the truth. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel.